How are you all doing tonight? Doing well? Amen. Yes, I like the participation. Come on. Hallelujah. Well, yes, we're in Hebrews chapter 10 tonight. And um, I'm glad that I'm able to share again. It's been three chapters later, and here I am. I started out Hebrews 7, which... If you remember from that teaching, um, Hebrews 7 started a new theme within the book. Um, There's different themes that the writer takes. Like the first few um, chapters has to do with how Jesus is supreme over angels, and he's supreme over the law, and he's supreme over this and that. Then we were talking about starting from verse 7, and I think it's going to continue basically up to chapter 11, which Pastor will share on next week, is how Jesus is sufficient to fulfill everything. So chapter 7, we talked about how Jesus was in the, the line of Melchizedek, that just like Melchizedek, he was a high priest, basically, on the oath and word of God. Um, Hebrews 8 went into a little bit more detail about his priestly service. Hebrews 9 um, talked about um, the earthly tabernacle and how that mirrored heaven. Talked about the blood of Jesus. And now here we are at chapter 10. Um, This is kind of the bow to wrap the gift, to finish this theme. Because next week, it's going to start talking about faith. So, we are in Hebrews 10, and I'm going to be reading, actually, out of the New International Version tonight. Um, Everybody online, you'll see that on the screen up here. It's in the New King James, but that's okay. I trust everybody might have the same Bible or different translations anyway. So it might, you know, it's not going to confuse nobody. So, but we'll start um, with reading this. And before we do, let's go ahead and pray. Just ask God to anoint this. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to um, just read your word and to hear your word tonight. Lord, I pray that the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth will be acceptable to you, Lord. And I pray that you would speak through me now and that you would also speak to me in this moment. Thank you for what you're going to do. And um, God, we, we just come before you with holy fear and reverence tonight. We thank you for all you've accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to actually start just because I like how it's put in this particular translation. Not that the other one doesn't do it justice, but this one's like really clean cut and dry. So I'm going to start, and then I'll take volunteers as we go along. But we're going to do the first four verses. And it says, The law... Oh, nice. Okay. Thank you, Wesley. The law is only a shadow... Of the good things that are coming, 
not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices uh, repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilt for their sins or guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. What a crazy reminder, huh? I love that it says the law is only the shadow of good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. It's not that the law was bad, but it was the reality that was going to be fulfilled in the law. The law could not do that itself. It was a shadow. I was reading in a commentary and I brought it up to pastor and He liked this analogy, so I guess it's good to say again. But it's kind of like when you're standing outside, you know, just imagine, right? I mean, if you see a tree or you see a building or you see a car or something, and the sun is shining on it in a specific direction, at that specific time, you'll see the shadow in front of that object. So if you're looking at a tree, you might see the shadow in front of the tree. But as time goes on during the day, the position of the sun and the earth and its rotation and all that stuff, it it moves it. And so the shadow, if you look at it, if you just stare at the tree the whole day, if you're bored, you'll see that the shadow, it moves from being in front of the object. Now it's behind it. And so the object that was casting the shadow is now in full view. And that's kind of like what happened here with the law. It was only a shadow of the reality that was coming. The law was made to make covenant with the people of God. And so we're going to see here in a moment that it was God's will for this to you know, move on, for that shadow to move past, per se. We'll see that in the next few verses. But it was God's will to set up a covenant with his people. And that's what the law was there for. Now, Jesus came, fulfilled that. The law is now behind. That the, the, the shadow is now behind the object, which was the ultimate fulfillment. And not only is it just a shadow, but it shows us what is wrong, but it doesn't give us the power to deal with what's wrong. And Romans chapter 7, you don't have to find it, but if you want in your own time, look at Romans chapter 7. Paul explains it real good. He uses an example about, you know, thou shalt not covet. And because the law said, thou shalt not covet, it's like it stirred something in him to want to go and covet. Is the law bad? No. It just revealed the nature that was inside of him. Or I'll, I'll give 
I'll give a good analogy, and I'm going to start moving around just so you know, Kyle. But if there was a don't touch the wet paint sign right here, yeah, you're laughing. Because what's the first thing you want to do? You want to touch the paint. So that's what the law, that, that, that's what the law does, right? It, it reveals that there's a problem. You want to touch the wet paint. But I don't see the sign slapping your hand so you don't touch the wet paint. It, it just makes you aware of what nature is inside of you. But there's no power there to deal with the problem. So the law revealed, hey, you want to steal, so don't steal. But it doesn't give you the power to stop stealing. Or honor your father and mother, right? The, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments aren't bad, but it reveals there is an issue that needs to be dealt with. That's why the law was just a shadow. Couldn't do anything about it. It just revealed what the problem was. And not only that, but as you see in verse 2, uh, or actually the latter part of verse 1, for that reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship God. It, it only pointed out the problem. You committed this sin. So, you have to go and get a bull or a bird or a ram. Can't have any blemish on it, no spot, wrinkle, nothing. It has to be completely perfect on the outside, right? No damage, nothing. You kill it, burn it. Obviously, all the details are in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. We're not going there tonight, so don't worry. For all my animal people who love animals, I'm so sorry for you, but... That's the reality. That's how it was. So if you committed an unintentional sin, oh, I did something out of ignorance. I was reading in Leviticus as part of my devotions. God said, okay, when you figure out that you sinned, you still have to go get the animal and bring it to the priest, etc., and so forth. What if you... Um, did something towards another person unintentionally regarding something they owned. Well, you needed to prepare a guilt offering. So you needed to bring a female lamb or a goat, or if you didn't have a lot of money, you would take two doves or two pigeons, or if you couldn't even afford animals, you would bring three-fifths of a bushel of flour to the priest and then... He would do what he needed to do with it. Can you imagine doing that every day, year after year? I mean, you're staring at the reminder of your sin all the time. It's like, all right, I cheated today. Or I lied today. I stole today. Every day, every time, that constant reminder... The law couldn't do anything about it. It just reminded you that there was a problem. That's why it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And as we keep looking, we're going to see that that's not even what God intended anyway because it was not a sufficient or perfect sacrifice. Now, this is the fun part. 
Would anybody like to read verse 5 through 10? Anybody want to read verses? Okay, Brother Terry is going to read verses 5 through 10. Amen. Amen. Is there anything that sticks out to anyone there about what was said? I see you nodding your head there, Terry. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, I've come to do your will. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good point. The the human side of Jesus was not looking forward to the sacrifice, but he still came to do God's will. And Jesus repeatedly said that he never said anything, never did anything unless it was the will of the Father. Not that he couldn't, because he's God, you know. But he was setting for us that example of wanting to do things according to God's will. And it's by that will that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once and for all. It was God's will that this be the way it went. The Bible says before the foundation of the world, before time began, that was already the plan. Because God already knew what was going to happen in the Garden of Eden. God already knew what was going to take place through history. He already had it set up. So sometimes people are like, well, maybe it wasn't God's will to do away with the law. Take them right here to Hebrews 10. And you'll see it was God's will for that to be a shadow that passed away. The requirement of bringing sacrifices and this and that. No, Jesus paid it all. We just sang that. Amen? The one thing I noticed was verse 5 through 7. Um, you notice it's in quotes. Um, that's out of the Old Testament. That's from Psalm 40 verse 6 through 8. You don't have to turn there. But it's funny because in that text, it says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but 
you prepared my ears. So it's very interesting. And then the rest of it still says, here I am to do your will, all that stuff. It's interesting because here in Hebrews, it says a body you prepared for me. But in Psalm 40, it says you prepared my ears. But what Brother Terry said basically answered it. So I just skipped a whole piece of my notes. You'll thank me for that because <laughs> we'll get out on time. But it had to do with the fact that Jesus was saying, I have come to do the will of the Father. I only want to do what God has said. So it could still be translated that way because it has to do with hearing what God wants for us to do, right? This is just a little bit of a side note. This is free. Hearing, hearing what God wants, hearing his voice, hearing him through prayer, hearing him through the word, and then because of that, then we go and do the work. So that's why it could either be translated there, you know, you've prepared my ears, or this body you've prepared for me. Then I say, oh, Dan. Yeah, New King James says, my ears you've opened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Amen. Amen. Who wants to read verses 11 through 18? Any takers? 11 through 18. I guess Dan's going to do it because he raised his hand. Thank you. Amen. And in the translation I'm using, it says, um, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Again, we have the reminder, the cycle, the, the whole thing happening over and over and over. So that, that's what was going on with the law. But now, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin. He sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be his footstool. Now, I've heard, you know, in the other scriptures, you know, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And I'm like, what on earth does this mean? So I looked it up. And it references being given total dominion. Isaiah 9, right? He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It says that of his kingdom, there will be no end. And then it says, 
For by one sacrifice he made perfect forever those who are being made holy or those who are being sanctified. So that's hope for us. We don't have to do the endless day by day getting Billy the goat and bringing him to the priest. We don't need to do all that no more. There, there's, it's not of our works that we can boast. It's a free gift from God. Because only he could accomplish the ultimate work. We can't accomplish it. That's why the law and the requirement had to pass away. That's why it was only a shadow. It was not a permanent reality. If we could do it, we wouldn't need Jesus. If we could do it, we wouldn't need the gospel. We wouldn't have needed the cross. And that actually reminds me of something. And no offense to anyone watching there, but it's, we say the truth. There are many who say, well, you could think about Jesus and read your Bible and do your thing, and that's your truth. And... I have my religion, I have this, I have that. That's the same thing as being like the priest, offering the same sacrifice that has no power in it whatsoever. You notice that other belief systems are all about what I could do to attain something. Only Christianity has God coming down and doing the work himself, and fulfilling it himself. Every other belief, every other religion has to do with how can I be good enough to get to God. Christianity says, we weren't good enough, but God still came down. Amen? He had mercy, and he had grace. Yeah, because he's the only one who could take away our sin. So it's not your truth or my truth. This is the only way that works. Because if it wasn't, then God the Father would have been insane and cruel to send His Son to die on the cross and it to have no effect on us whatsoever. For it to have no effect on anything. Because if you could be this and you could be this and you could be this and you could be a Christian and we're all going to make it to the same place... It's not how it works. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I heard it put this way. If you get on um, I-4, right, but you want to go to California, if you just go down south I-4, you're going to keep going until I-4 runs out, and you'll never go to California. So you can't just go any way you want. There is a specific path in order to reach the destination, Amen? And Jesus is that path. Jesus is the way to the Father. And it's because he did this once and for all. And now he sits at the right hand of God making intercession. Allowing things to move forward in time. Allowing things to continue on until, just as it says in the scriptures, everything is under his dominion. Then it says, the Holy Spirit testifies to us about this. He says, this covenant I'll make with them after that time. I'll put the law in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. Does that scripture sound familiar to anybody? That's from Jeremiah. 
Then it says, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. That was Jeremiah 31, 33, and 34. That was fulfilled in Christ. And I love that it even says, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. We're not just forgiven of the debt. He has willingly forgotten the debt. There's no condemnation. We were talking about that earlier, Pastor. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And condemnation is, I messed up, I can't go to God. Conviction is, I messed up, I need to go to God. That's what we need is conviction. And that actually sets me up for the next set of verses, and I did not plan that, so thank you, Jesus. Who wants to read... Um, Verses 19 through 25. Verses 19 through 25. Okay, Sister Kim's going to do it for us. stop right there real quick um, because I want to take apart something here. It says since we have confidence the fact that we are saved we have that confidence. We may not always feel that confidence but we have that confidence. It's something that is sure because it was purchased by the blood of Jesus What Jesus did for us was not cheap. Amen? So with that confidence, we can draw near. It says in mine here, it says, let us draw near with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. So that's where we get that confidence from. And you can, oh, actually, and it says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. So that refers to when they were in the tabernacle and the temple and they would bring the sacrifices right bible talks about how the priest would um, sprinkle the blood of the animal over the mercy seat and then that would symbolize that the sin was covered and god has you know accepted the sacrifice and all of those things this is permanent our hearts have been sprinkled clean and then it says having our bodies washed with pure water that could mean the washing of the word or water baptism So you could continue on uh, verse 33, or 23. (laughs) No, 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 I messed up. You're good. Amen. Amen. I like how, what is yours, King James? Sister Kim, is yours the King James version? Or what version is yours, your Bible? Yeah, it's the Gideon, so that'd be King James. Yeah, I like that it says, let's provoke one another. Let's spur up one another. 
Let's be intentional about this. What are we to be intentional about? Well, that's encouraging one another to do good work and coming together all the more that we see the day approaching. If you remember back in June when we started the series on new seasons, that was one of the scriptures that I had taken apart. The importance of coming together all the more that we see the day approaching because the tendency would be to not want to meet. The tendency would be that probably things are going to get to the point that it would just be easier for us to stay home. And that's just not a figurative thing. I believe one day that could actually happen. I just read about a pastor that was um, arrested and shackled hand and foot and thrown in jail in Canada because he held a church service. And so they threw him in jail. It's coming soon, y'all. It really is. And that convicts me. But we're going to hold fast, amen? I'm going to read a little bit here. Verse 26 says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. That was purposely put there right after that verse about assembling together and stirring up each other into good works. Because what happens is, sometimes the tendency that at least I've seen, and Pastor, you've probably seen it, is, and again, this is not, um, you know, I'm not here to put nobody down. People have their reasons for not being able to come right now. And I get that. And I have, we have the privilege of, you know, everybody being online. But besides that, sometimes the tendency of people is they don't come to church, right? And they say that they could still have their relationship with God being at home. And that's true. But I used this analogy once, and it was funny. But um, if you... You know, you could still jump out of a plane without a parachute, but it's not going to end very well. <laughs> the church is kind of that, that safety, that, that parachute, you know, with, without... And, the, and here's the thing. God made the church. Jesus instituted the church. And it's more than just coming in, obviously, Sunday morning, Wednesday night. That's why we have the small groups. It's, it's about coming together. In Acts, they broke bread. They you know, had meals together. They, they did outreach together. It says they sold all their possessions and gave the money to the poor and all these things. These are things that, you know, we're doing and we're going to start doing more of. So by the way, any of the people who went to the training, please let us know what small group you want to do. Lord willing, we want to launch sometime in March or April. So yes, amen. That was the plug. But the tendency sometimes is for people to say, well, you know, I'm not going to go anymore. And so it's kind of like they take a vacation on everything that has to do with God. And then they fall out of relationship. And it's a very weird thing. May that never happen to any of us. I mean, as a youth leader at my former church, I saw that happen sometimes with our students. They weren't there for a couple months. And then I found out that they weren't even serving the Lord anymore. And I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? 
you know? That's why, you know, being together and being encouraged to doing good works is so important. But I'll even say this. It's important to have a relationship with God and not with the church. Your salvation is not in Atlantic Beach Assembly of God. Your salvation is in Jesus Christ. Amen? If we keep on deliberately sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. And that's not figurative, by the way. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. But you know what? That's okay because that's the shadow. But here's the deal, though. This is what happens. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished? I didn't write that. That's the word of God. So nobody come at me later. It says deserves. Who has trampled the Son of God underfoot. Who treated as an unholy thing. Um, Some translations better say as a common thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. So we see he's talking to believers here. He says, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There is a God of great love and mercy, but he is also a God of holiness and a God of justice. And these are not polar opposites of one another. These co-mingle together. That's what makes God so awesome. Because in our frailty and in our imperfection, if we were merciful, we'd let people off all the time and they would never understand right from wrong. Or... If we were the ones acting out justice, (laughs) don't raise your hand if you want to get even with somebody. Because, see, yeah, we, I I, I would never want to be the person, you know, I'm glad that God does his job. I don't want God's job. Amen. (laughs) I don't want God's job. says anyone who's rejected those things now why is it that this punishment that this punishment is so much right it's not because God is maniacal and wants to destroy everyone it's because and this is something else that you know, we don't talk about. But the Bible does say that God has wrath, that he's going to pour out on sin. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he was our propitiation. Um, In theology, it's called the substitutionary atonement. We deserved death, but Jesus died in our place. So if we have him... The wrath of God that is poured out on sin, not on people, sin, okay? We are the collateral damage if we don't have Jesus as our covering. You see what I'm saying? 
because the Bible says it's God's will that none should perish. But sin still has to be dealt with, right? So there is a way. And looking at this, it kind of reminded me of Hebrews 6, when the writer was talking about, you know, those who've tasted the heavenly gift and partakers of the Spirit and all this stuff, it's impossible for them if they were to leave to, you know, come back or whatever. That, that it, it mirrors that because this is about those who are saying that they deliberately chose for no reason at all to just leave the faith. That's what this is talking about. Those who became apostate, those who said, well, you know, I don't think this thing's really cutting it for me, so I'm just going to peace out. And they actually knew Christ, right? May that never be any one of us, and may we always stand firm. I mean, I could even say how many of you have had a moment of doubt, a moment of fear, a moment where maybe you thought you did something that you thought you were too far gone. Well, the fact that you even have that feeling of, I did something wrong, I should go to God with this, you have not committed that sin. Because there's conviction. The, the, the Holy Spirit is still speaking to you. The Bible talks about how God disciplines those he loves, Right? Parents, you love your kids, so if they do something wrong, you let them know. And if they do something wrong again, you let them know. And sometimes, strike three, you spank them. I don't know how you do it. But, you know, you you discipline your kid because you love them. You want them to learn what's right. You want them to do what's right. The writer kind of does this here. He says, remember those earlier days, verse 32, and after you had received the light, when you endured, when you endured, because right now he's telling them, hey, don't, don't leave the faith. Stay in. It's not, it's not worth leaving. Remember when you endured after receiving the light, when you endured in great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. And that's like, Friends, family, co-workers shaming you, disowning you. If you um, denied Judaism, you couldn't go into the temple to worship in some areas, or I believe in Jerusalem, that's how it was. Oh, imagine if you were a religious leader like um, Nicodemus, who eventually became a church father and died poor because he lost everything. His inheritance was stripped from him. Because he chose to follow after Jesus. It says here, At other times you stood side by side with those who were treated that way. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded that same Jesus who was the sacrifice once and for all right if he was a good enough of a sacrifice to deal with your sin and to deal with your junk 
how much more sufficient is he to help you get through your life? How much more sufficient is he to help you persevere through whatever it is that may be going on? And especially after you've gone through so much. I don't know every one of your personal life stories, but I'm sure you all have been through so many things. And maybe there were moments that you felt like you wanted to throw in the towel. I've had those moments, but I still press on towards the prize. I like Paul, he says, I strain towards what's ahead. It's not simple, it's not, it's not simple. He tells them you need to persevere, which in the Greek it means you need to stay under, remain under this, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will not delay. Jesus is coming soon, amen? And, my, but my righteous one, that's you and I, will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Jesus said it this way, if you're ashamed of me here on earth, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. And that is, yes, it's a rebuke, but it's also an encouragement for us not to be ashamed of Jesus. For us not to be ashamed of what he's done in our life. It says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. May that be all of our testimonies. I was actually at a Bible study last night. Um, I'm finishing here with some young adults. And um, it was just a bunch of young adults from different churches. And we were going through Romans, five, uh, Romans chapter 1, 1 through 15. And one of the verses is very similar to this. Paul is um, commending the church in Rome. He's like, you know, I'm so happy for all of you. I thank God for you because the testimony of your faith has gone all through the world. And when I heard that, I thought this and someone said it for me. It's like, how many people are able to say that about us, that our testimony has gone through the world, that when they see us, they could see something's different about you and you're able to tell them about Jesus or you don't even need to open your mouth. You just do something so well, they're just like, something's different about them. I mean, have any of y'all ever had those moments? You're in Walmart, you're in Publix, you're talking to somebody or you're doing something and someone asks you, are you a Christian? It, it's so funny because it's like, oh, well, yes, are you too? It's like, yeah, and that's how sometimes you meet believers. And may that be our testimony. And that even when we're doing the most menial of things, we could be a light. Um, you could look up the story, but there's someone by the name of Brother Lawrence, and I'm not even using this anymore. God's just... <laughs> um, Brother Lawrence was a, a monk in the Middle Ages. And all he did in the monastery was pray and wash dishes. Pray and wash dishes. But the presence of God would fill the place where he was washing dishes... And people noticed that there was something happening in this random kitchen in some monastery. And I'm telling you, you can look this up. It's recorded to the point that rulers of countries and dignitaries and people who needed wisdom, 
on how to make choices would sit in the middle of this kitchen with Brother Lawrence praying and washing dishes and God would speak to them and give them their answers. So may he use us in every way because what Jesus accomplished for us was powerful enough to change everything in us that we can be a testimony and light for him. And for those who are watching online, um, I pray that that's your testimony. And if you don't know Jesus, um, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that he's Lord, if you believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead, you'll be saved. All you need to do is talk to him like I'm talking to you right now in this camera and just say, Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me, I'm a sinner, I've messed up, I've come against your law, even if I didn't know, I'm sorry, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, I thank you, I believe that you died on the cross, you rose from the dead, and because you did that for me, I want to live for you, and from that moment on, you'll be saved, not because of what you said, but because you, you, you meant what it was. It's the power in what you said. So love you all. Have a good night and we'll see.